start now? Yeah, but I can't guarantee I'm going to be this close to the mic the whole time. This has been a journey. Mm-hmm. This has been a 10-minute journey to just start recording for Correct. the third time. Do you know what episode it is? I think it's 23. Is that right? 23. Wow. We're climbing. Okay. Uh, welcome back to Subject to Cross, listeners. I'm Caroline Donato, one of your hosts. And I am Pete Kratza, one of your other hosts. Quick housekeeping. We've had a few nice emails about suggestions about what to do. When you say we, I never see these emails. Do they only come I to you? I forward them to you. A lot of them do come to me. Really? Yeah. How do we get them? You know, I'm going to put this mic literally right in front of my mouth. I think you should do the same. Don't tell me what to do. I suggest you do the same. That's as close as this thing's getting no, to No, I'm my just face. saying, like, you had it on a diagonal. Yeah. We'll just put it's it... It's still on a diagonal. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so Wh- one of the... Where do those su- emails come from? Where do they go? Uh, some come from other lawyers. But, like, is there an email address? Well, there's subject to cross. Oh, you led me there. That was nice. Subject to cross at McElroy.com. McElroy is spelled M-A-C-E-L-R-E-E dot com. Subject to cross, if I need to spell that for you, don't email me. But it's all, like, written out, subject to cross. There's no spaces. There's no underscores. Okay. Subject to cross at com, Or they email me directly. So when the when they send emails to subject across at macquarie dot com, are you the only one that gets them initially? You get them too, but you don't pay attention. Are you sure? Yes, and then I reforward them to you, and, and I then still you don't ask me attention. questions, yeah. and I say yes, we can do this. Okay. But um, some of the suggestions so far require qu- quite a bit of prep, <laughs> which I do, and you do not. I prepped this one. How many articles did you read? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. I think you just made that up. Look, one, I can count. Two, three, four, five, six. Why do you have six? Because Donna literally I always made you go the extra mile, Caroline. Did I'm you get an extra one to this podcast? Did you get an extra one I by yourself? Have. Yeah. You used the internet. Remember when we did the dog thing and I had like a law review article? That blew yeah. my mind. Yeah, no. Okay, well, let's, uh, so, okay, back to the housekeeping. We will follow up with your suggestions. We appreciate them. Please keep them coming. We will have a guest. We have a guest in mind. I'm not going to say exactly who the first one is because I don't want to commit, but we'll have guests. So that was one of the emails. That was more than one, yes. Oh, okay. What were the other ones? Suggestions. But they like were, what? I forget. A, a few of them required movie watching, documentary watching. And I have not, you know what? I watched Dune twice <laughs> in one weekend, and that is all the space Nerd. my brain had. Oh, I really needed to branch out. I watched it. Dune? It's on HBO Max. You watch, did you watch, did you go to IMAX first? Or no, did you? I just watched it on HBO Max. It was okay. very long. See, Ray felt the same way, but Ray has read all three books. Well, there's six books, but he's read three of them. I'm not even halfway through the first book. I was just captivated by this movie. First in IMAX, and then on HBO. I was like, I gotta watch this again. Where we get our coffee? Mm-hmm. Um, in your case, Honeybush Raspberry <laughs> Honeysuckle Tea. Um, the Ap- <laughs> apricot Honeybush. Ad- wait, 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 wait. Uh, Tell the listeners uh, how you don't like to offer to get me anything no, anymore. No, <laughs> because I, 
it's awful when I go in there. I have to like whisper because it's like the most feminine tea drinks ever. But um, Abby, who works there, um, saw it in Dune in ID4 Max. What? They like spray sand in your face. They drip what? water on you when you're in. I'm like, that sounds completely unpleasant. And like you, I think she went with her, you know, she went with her boyfriend. I think she liked it, but I'm like, that, I'm too old for that. So I it's didn't like, know it's that like was a whole thing. other level. Don't tell Ray. He'll make you go and you'll get sand. No, he's just, he's just glad that I'm enjoying it. I just sat there eating a large popcorn and junior men's, which is bringing back childhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what are we talking about today, Pete? Wait, I thought you were supposed to lead the discussion. I will lead it, but I'm... We're going to talk about the judge's decision in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. This is normally when I try to do the lead to the thing, and, and you tell me that I'm not doing it right and hijack it. So let's see how long I get before you hijack it. Okay. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, this was the uh, matter in Wisconsin where Rittenhouse had traveled from a neighboring state. He was... Uh, carrying some sort of a um, a rifle. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to call it an assault rifle, but he had, you know, a a rifle with him. And there were protests in Wisconsin in August of uh, 2020 related to a gentleman by the name of Jacob Blake being shot in the back by the police in Wisconsin. So this was like day three of the protest on August 25th. Rittenhouse uh, shot Three people. I think he killed two of them and and uh, wounded wounded another. And now, oh jeez, I'm sorry. Um, and now, um, in um, October of 2021, the case is going to trial, which isn't actually is pretty quick. It's about yeah. you know a year after the shooting. And what we were going to talk about is a, a judge's ruling on uh, pretrial evidentiary issues. How did I do? You did pretty well. Thanks. And and the way those issues are raised before trial are in the form of motions by either party, and we call them motions in limine. And it's motions. Can you spell limine? L i m i, limine and e. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Good. Okay. So in a motion in limine, you're. I wonder if that's Latin. Sound sounds. Consistent with the rest of the law. Yeah, it's probably Latin. So whenever we're asking a court or any lawyer is asking a court uh, to hear an issue in a motion in limine, what that means is, judge, can you admit this evidence or preclude this evidence or can we frame this evidence a certain way? Yeah. Yeah, admit it, uh, not admit it, limit it. Um, ask for clarification from a judge how you're going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in my practice, it's not very effective in terms of representing someone to just uh, keep your fingers crossed and, and you know, try to get it in and have the judge bite your head off in front of the jury. It's always better to lay it out and, and get a ruling ahead of time because the worst thing you can do is get embarrassed um, or get not embarrassed, but get uh, um, criticized. Um, before the jury by the judge for trying to get something in that you think you should uh, get in and and they don't agree. So meaning rather than file the motion weeks or months in advance of the trial, waiting till the trial actually starts and then trying to admit the evidence, having the other side object to the evidence, and then arguing what is fair to the judge while the jury is just sitting there. I think that's what I just said. 
that's not a good way to do it. That's though. not a good way. Right. But I'm trying to distinguish them okay. practically for our so listeners. So we file many motions in limine. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, and in this case, a motion in limine, it's, it seems, was filed. It was at least filed by the defense. Was there a motion filed by the prosecution, too? I think they were mutual motions. Uh, the defense filed, uh, it, it, by my count, at least three, four of them, and the prosecution had their motions as well. So this was a motion hearing before this judge, Judge Schroeder, in Wisconsin. And you might have seen the headlines, listener. I mean, this was all over social media. Said listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Listener sing singular. This was all over social media <laughs> as prosecutors cannot call those shot by Kyle Rittenhouse victims, but looters, rioters. What was the third one? Looters, rioters, arsonists. and arsonists is okay. And quite a few people sent, including you, Pete, sent me this tweet these these articles and so we thought let's just get in the studio and talk about it all right well first of all um we're defense lawyers so anytime a judge agrees uh that the prosecution should not be permitted to refer to uh, their witness as the quote unquote victim that's a good thing because that's something we argue sometimes successfully sometimes unsuccessfully and from the defense perspective, it should be rather obvious, right? I mean, it's for the jury to decide if this person's a victim, not for you know the, the prosecutor to keep beating them over the head, victim, 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 or the judge, worse, to use the term victim. You've heard the victim testify. Well, then why are we here? You know what I mean? So I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You agree? I agree. And part of my practice, and I think you may share at least some of this, I don't know if you're as OCD about it as I am, but in motions I file, anything I'm filing, any brief I'm writing, anytime I'm talking about the Commonwealth's main witness, I call the witness the complainant. I used alleged victim. It's just easier. I don't even like the V word. I like alleged because there's like sarcasm dripping from alleged. I also don't like the word defendant. And so in my motions, I'll say miss or mister. I will never call my own client defendant. I agree with you. Oh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, <laughs> but. I, no, in front of a jury, I would never, you know, you're always. I mean, even the court. One thing I do remember from law school, I won't say where I went to law school because I didn't like it all that much. But Villanova. Don't stop. But um, we, you know, that is one thing I do recall from law school. You don't refer to your client as the defendant or, you know, something impersonal. You personalize your client. Now, that should be human nature. Most lawyers don't have, I don't know if it's human nature or personability, which is why a lot of them don't become litigators or at least effective ones. But yes, long story short, I do agree. I always refer to the client either by their first name, if the judge will let me, or by uh, the last name. But in pleadings, it's a judge. I don't care. I'll, I'll shorthand defendant and uh, alleged victim. No, I, I'm, it matters to me before a judge, too, because even if we don't go to trial, ultimately there might be a plea, there might be a sentencing, and I want that judge to feel like he or she knows my client. Okay, so you're a better lawyer than I am. Well, I We've just had better that, mentors, right? I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right, so that's a good thing, that he wouldn't allow them to use the word victim. And when you first saw this, I have a question. When mm -hmm. you first saw this and you saw the first part of the headline, prosecutors cannot call those shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, victims were you like oh nice yeah i think that's a, a good thing and um, then but you know what it, 
I'm going to get to my second part. Okay. Don't always believe what you read in a headline or in the press. Mm-hmm. Because while this is, you know, um, it caught the attention of a lot of people, it's a little bit misleading to say prosecutors cannot call those shot by Kyle Rittenhouse victims, but looters is okay. That wasn't the ruling. No. If you look at the, I think it's the um, Esquire it. magazine article, mm-hmm. there's a footnote where they do a correction. At the very end. Yeah. It, to, to be, be precise. precise. The judge said that the terms rioters, arsonists, and looters could only be used in closing arguments. And then only if the defense has proven that any of the three people Rittenhouse shot, in fact, were rioting, looting, and were committing arson that night. So that's a little better. I, it seems pretty clear to me, by the way, that this judge is inclined toward the defense. Yes and um, no. But we'll, talk, we'll get to that. All right, we'll get to that. But also, from this Esquire article, I had to look up a word. That's rare for me. Do you know what redolent means? Where is it? R-E-D-O-L-E-N-T. It's, in, it's at the end, the thing I just read. Less redolent form of bullshit. Yeah. Um, less uh, at your fingertips. I think redolent means more. I looked it up because I had to know how to pronounce it, too. Um, like characteristic of, um, here's the definition. I have it on my phone. Strongly reminiscent or suggestive of, but in any event, I thought that was a cool word that they used. Obviously Esquire magazine is, um, not thrilled with this judge because they said the judge, uh, you know, that this ruling, um, is merely a slightly less redolent form of bullshit. We're allowed to say bullshit on there. Well, we're just reading from an article, but I I actually was thinking, to be precise, the judge said, so I'm thinking, did you pull this from the judge's ruling? And then I was confused by the last sentence, because is that the judge's ruling, or is that Esquire's characteristic of it? Well, I mean, I I trust Esquire. I mean, the article that I really liked was the NPR article. Okay, but here's here's the problem that I see. It's inconsistent. Because if the judge is going to allow the the defense lawyers to call them rioters, arsonists, and looters, if the evidence shows that in their closing, well, can't, can't the, the prosecutor say, say, well, I've, I think I've proven that these guys are victims, so I should be able to refer to them as victims in closing. I think that's a good point. The, the better ruling would have been neither side can use those incendiary terms. Well, here's the other. That's another good word, by the way. That's a good word. Uh, and I think that's a really good point. I didn't consider that. But what is the burden of proof? Because the defense usually doesn't have a burden of proof. So now what is the burden of proof to get to the stage of making the argument that there are sinus writers or looters? And what is the relevance of that? Yeah. Because I think the relevance, and that's an evidentiary basis for precluding or admitting evidence. Um, I think the relevance in part of these arguments I read in one of the, the many articles was that the police were commending Rittenhouse. You picked up on that. Darn it. Go I ahead. I was going to ask you. Please do. This is a red herring. This whole rioters, arsonists, loose, whatever, um, looters versus victims. Yeah, okay. You know, so they can say certain words in closing or they can't say certain words in closing. The pretrial ruling, in my mind, that has the defense well ahead before the case even starts is this ruling that this video where police, on a video, 
showing police encountering Rittenhouse roughly 15 minutes before the shootings, tossing him a bottle of water and saying, we appreciate you guys. So obviously the defense wants to get that in, right? You got the imprimatur of law enforcement before you go out and shoot these people. Um, but why, Pete? What, what's well, the basis? It, the, the, the alleged basis. Listen, man, this is good defense lawyering. Mm-hmm. They, they said that it uh, impacted his state of mind um, in terms of um, certain of the charges. They're saying first degree reckless endangerment of safety, for instance, sounds like our recklessly endangering another person, requires prosecutors to demonstrate the Rittenhouse acted with, quote, utter disregard for human life, end quote. And what the judge said, if the police tell him it's a good thing you people are here, given the state of lawlessness that's existing, is that something that's influencing the defendant and emboldening him in his behavior, the judge said. That would seem to me to be an argument for relevance. So, you know, the, the process, I'm sorry, the defense lawyers argued that the state of mind of Kyle Rittenhouse is relevant. And if the police are telling him it's OK to be there carrying his assault rifle, I don't know what else you're supposed to call it. I'm not trying to be political. But if he's carrying his assault rifle in Kenosha, Wisconsin, wherever heck he was, um, that, you know, that he feels that he's not committing a crime. What a jury's going to see is they're going to see that. These people are allowed to be called arsonist looters and and um, what's the other one? Rioters. Rioters. Oh my! Sounds like that's all. Um, and that this kid was getting encouragement from the cops. Juries like cops. That's going to be hugely significant when they see that. And it wouldn't surprise me if the defense attorneys perhaps argued the relevance of that video, even in a slightly more aggressive way, other than merely impacting Rittenhouse's state of mind. I wonder if, as the prosecution, the argument would be, notwithstanding the police, encouraging him to behave as he was and to commit those violent acts, the police themselves were acting with utter disregard for human lives. And so, it, it, taken together, I mean, they, they it was just a mess. I, prosecutors never going to concede that, but, um, I, you know, if I'm a prosecutor, it's not relevant whether a cop tossed him a bottle of water and said, we appreciate you being here, what's relevant is whether he was justified in shooting these people. Um, and I just think that when the jury sees that video and knowing juries the way we do, that they like police, most people like police, um, they're going to say, well, the cop said he was all right there. Why are we here? And then you have all these law enforcement officers taking the stand in, in the investigation and prosecution of this kid. Yeah, and I have a feeling they're going to be rather tepid in their testimony. Um, it'll be interesting. It, 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 reading these articles, uh, I wonder if there is video out there that shows these uh, three, um, what does the judge say they're allowed to be? Decedents? They're, they're calling, he's using like different terms. Looters, it, rioters, arsonists? Well, he's not calling them that. He's, he's, instead of victims, they're decedents, decedents. or complainants. Um, whether there is video showing that because if there is video showing that and then the defense has carte blanche to to you know really kind of demonize them um then rittenhouse does become like this uh you know um vigilante like this Mm -hmm. law enforcement uh um you know deputized law enforcement guy in the eyes of a jury I don't, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't like. I agree with these articles that I don't think that it looks good from a prosecutorial perspective, 
based upon this judge's rulings. But these articles are a little there's so we know from our practice and from news articles that what we put pen to paper to or what we're litigating in court is not usually reflected in totality in articles. I really wanted to see the actual motions in limine Mm -hmm. and the actual court ruling. And Donna said she couldn't find it. Mm. And I was bummed out about that. Um, The prosecutor, and this is a typical prosecutor argument, um, so why can't he call the victim an arsonist if that's what he thinks he can prove, Schroeder said. Prosecutors said that's a double standard. Their behavior that night has nothing to do with this case unless it was witnessed by the defendant. Binger said. Binger was a prosecutor. I have to think about that. Um, well, so, I don't know that he necess- that it necessarily needs to be witnessed by him. In the context of whether what was going on there, whether you called a protest, I mean, there, I think stuff was being burned, right? I mean, people were running through the city. So he's there. He's told by the police that uh, we appreciate you being here. They see him walking around with a, a gun. Um, and if these guys were shown to be participants in what was happening all around him, I don't think, I wouldn't agree that he himself would need to witness what they did for them to be called that. The issue in the case is whether he acted in self-defense. I mean, he claims that he, they were running after him, that he beat, they tried to beat him with a skateboard. It seems to me, you know, the issue is whether the shooting occurred first and then they ran after him whether they're running after him um, and then he shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean, on the one hand, I, you know, I think that, that, that again, it's a, it's a good ruling. I always appreciate it when a judge sees the prejudicial nature of uh, presupposing that someone is a victim. And then he had another one where he uh, admitted a letter uh, from a, a decedent, because we don't call them victims here, um, where she said, if, I, if I'm killed, look at my husband. And then she was killed. So he allowed the letter to come in and he was reversed by the state Supreme Court. But then he made a point of uh, and this was in the context of this case saying, you know, kind of defending his uh, evidentiary rulings. He said I was appealed by or overturned by the state court. But then the federal court said I was right. So there's that. He sounds like a real like character. Um, And, you know, you have to I I, it sounds to me like the, the defense lawyers there know the hand that they have and they're playing it to their advantage as they should Mm -hmm. you protect your client okay well that is what we wanted to talk about do you want to share with the listeners about our practice growth why don't you do that okay so we have a new lawyer who's practicing with us her name is mary lawrence she just passed the bar She's an associate attorney now, and we're thrilled to have her. One day when we can figure out how to get a third microphone linked up in this room, uh, we'll include Mary, and she can just really explain all the glory that is working with you and me. And by that, you mean you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mary... um um, is a uh, person of few words. She's obviously highly intelligent because the more you talk, the less intelligent you are, which, you know, guilty. I mean, um, we're screwed. <laughs> so I think it would be fun to get her in here and make her talk. She hates it. I know. Yeah. I love putting a client in front of her and be like, can you co- do the colloquy? <laughs> and she's like, no. But um, we're excited to have her 
And as I was sharing with Pete the other day, you know, Mary just had her passing the bar party. We're going to take her uh, to get a drink today. But it made me, it made both of us remember, you know, years ago when I was a new associate at McElroy Harvey. I wasn't yet with Pete. I was a business attorney. And we just walked Supposedly. down. We just walked down that memory road. And what nice memories. Yeah, what nice memories. <laughs> business lawyer right all right pete anything else you want to share with the listeners no very good you want to tell lauren it was her call you you screened oh i already told her i said stop bothering me they want me to door dash them food i won't do it your kids yeah you're a good dad if you're going to door dash them food they're spoiled rotten well all and right they wouldn't be caught dead listening to this oh well then we can say whatever we that's want that's right all right listeners thanks for tuning in to subject to cross we will be back with more topics. Please send us emails. We appreciate your emails. It does It does give us... One of us reads them. I, you should read them. I don't get them. I swear to God, I don't get them. I will send them to Pete with high importance. You need, Yeah, you need to have that red exclamation mark thing. That's high importance. Okay. All right. Email us, subject to cross at com. Signing off. Bye. Bye.